Hi, everyone. I'm Megan Berg. And I'm Dr. Jeanette Benegas. And we are here to fix SLP. We are discussing the biggest challenges that are currently holding back the field of speech-language pathology. We present the issues with facts and invite you to be part of joining our movement to make things better, one conversation at a time. Let's fix SLP. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us again. Megan and I are sitting in a coffee shop um, in Ohio. Unplanned, um, but a really happy opportunity to get to see each other and talk and figure out what direction we're going next and record this quick little podcast. The podcast that we're recording now is, um, this was planned, but the coffee shop's closing soon. So this will be a quick episode. Um, So we're together. Yay. Um, I want to start by thanking everyone who sent in screenshots and thoughts and questions about the live Q&A that Asha had. During that time, Megan was unavailable and I was driving home from work, which is an hour drive on mostly back roads with spotty reception. So um, by the time you listen to this, they will have released the replay. So we'll be listening to that. We just weren't comfortable making any statements based on what was sent into us, um, because obviously, while those things were said by Asha or recommendations were made by Asha, we were only getting small clips of the conversation. So we want to make sure we're not forming opinions or making statements without all of the facts. So um, we'll have some things to say about the live Q&A coming soon, as soon as we can both meet again to talk about what we heard. Yeah, and we want to thank everybody who's listening who took the time to write a letter to the ASHA Board of Directors. Uh, We kept kind of an informal tally of people letting us know that they had sent theirs in, and we got to about um, 145-ish letters. So we think that's really wonderful, and we also want to point out that the deadline for submitting those letters was something that we just made up because the um, board of directors meeting is coming up and so we wanted to get those letters in before they met so they could have a chance to read them before they meet in person but you can write a letter to the ASHA board of directors anytime you want you could write one every day if you wanted to I know a lot of us were talking about how the 500 word limit is a challenge and I think they have that limit in place because otherwise letters get tend to get kind of long and I think the best strategy is to submit a letter that's focused on one topic in particular so if you started writing your letter and you sat down and you realized you had a lot of things that you wanted to express to the board of directors I would just encourage you to take the time Um, Even if it's just a therapeutic task for you of just like writing one letter at a time focused on one topic at a time And then if you feel like it you can send those in but I think the power behind so many people writing about the same topic at once uh, means that there's uh, Hopefully going to be a really great conversation at the board's in-person meeting uh, that starts tomorrow on October 18th Um I actually want to jump in and say something. I think that we are already influencing at least conversation 
because what we did see happen from the time we started the call to action until the deadline was that ASHA began to change their response. So there is an automatic like form response that people get when they submit. But some people started to get a more customized response. Um, we have some of that on our social media, although it's just under a post, so it might be hard yeah. to find. Um, but we just thought that that was interesting that that they started to address it a little more directly. Um, so I think that right there speaks volumes because who knows how often they do that. And also, I think from what we can tell, um, there was mention of talk on social media in the live Q&A as well. So they are aware and there are, that means they've already been talking about it, which is good. That's what we yeah. want. And for people wondering like, what was the response? Like, what did they say? And it's a very typical bureaucratic response where it's like, they're basic, basically we're acknowledging that the CCC is optional. And which is baloney. <laughs> and not really taking any responsibility for the actions that the organization has historically taken to make it pretty much impossible to work as an SLP without their certification product and not clarifying how they're spending money to lobby like Medicaid insurance and state licensing boards to make the certification required and not really addressing any of the concerns around um, like the evidence base behind it, although there's a conversation going on about that where we're tracking down the evidence that ASHA is attributing to various um, parts of the CCC, so we're going to look into that research and share that with you. And stay tuned for that, but I think, again, for people who are like, God, like, why are we writing letters? Like, why aren't we taking stronger action? I think it's really important for anyone who cares about this conversation to know that it's a really long game and it's it's something where like Asha is used to these social media kind of uprisings happening and then they fizzle out and there's a lot of like really intense energy and then it dies down and really intense energy and it dies down. And I think we just have to figure out how to be in it for the long run and be really persistent because, you know, the board elections are going to be coming up again soon. Like, people are always turning over. Things are always changing at ASHA. It's always, it comes down to, like, who in the organization is able to have this conversation. And if we are persistent enough and keep the conversation going long enough that the right people are willing to have that conversation with us, that's where things can really get some momentum to change yeah so with this long game what we what we need from everyone who's listening is to keep sharing our information our Instagram page our Facebook page our website keep inviting your friends keep telling your colleagues keep the conversation going keep talking about it because this isn't something that can go away with the 24-hour news cycle. We need to keep growing because we are planning a second call to action. We, we are taking the first steps to pull that together. And if ev with every call to action, we're going to need people. And so we need to keep adding people to this movement 
so we can make a bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger impact you know we're we're very quickly approaching five percent of the slp population across facebook and instagram so that's great but you know five percent will move the needle but 10 percent will move the needle more and 20 percent will move the needle more and and so on so um, definitely continue to share continue to talk about it we'll continue to put out content um, but that's what we need and so what we are talking about doing next is beginning to engage the states um, we are very actively putting together a list of all of the licensing requirements from every state um, you saw maybe you saw we had a story where I was asking for state emails and state presidents and um, that is because I will be reaching out to all of the states by the time you hear this I might have already done it um, to invite them on our podcast state membership is super important um, it sounds like from the Q&A Asha kind of deferred any action to the states and was telling people well you need to go to your state board about that and I, I think I think states are struggling now I, I know I volunteer with my state organization in Pennsylvania and states are struggling people are strapped for money you know not you not everyone can join every membership association so the this the membership organization that gets left is typically the one at the state level because everyone perceives that you need to have the CCC and the more people that leave the state association the less money they have to make changes like caseload workload caps requiring the C's I was talking with someone last night who reached out to me on social media who has a little more knowledge about this and she said in their state their lobbyist costs ninety thousand dollars so you know, where does that money come from and I, I think to me then with Asha just well you have to take it to your state they know that these states can't make changes they they know exactly they they know exactly what's going on in the states and so we can talk about that more um, as we move towards engaging the states but we'd like to have people from the state associations on talking about all the great work that they're doing in the states and what your membership could mean to them um, and then we'll have some sort of call to action wrapped up in that and that's that's what we're still trying to figure out. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the important thing is to just remember that, like, we can't unstart this conversation. Like, I think this conversation has started multiple times throughout the years of, like, why are, why are things the way they are? Why are we doing this? Why do we have to pay this fee every year? What does it actually mean? Um, but this, this time is different, and, like, there's a lot of different ideas and language and people involved that haven't been involved before and the momentum is just going to keep going and going especially the more that you share it with your SLP colleagues and the bigger the movement becomes. Um, we've been posting a lot about the historical framework of ASHA and how it's really been an institution that highly values the voices of academia. And again, I want to clarify that like, it's not that people in academia have no clinical experience, but it's the fact that they have academic street cred, <laughs> that they're able to be more likely to get on the ballot, 
to become president of ASHA, to have a lot of power and influence over the decisions that are made. And so the voices that are missing are really the voices of the clinicians that are every day clocking into work dealing with the very real issues that are going on and those issues are not being taken seriously, they're not being heard um, by ASHA and so we need to keep those voices really loud and really strong and keep the conversation going um, because yeah, we've picked up a momentum that we haven't seen before and I think there's, we're on our way to a reckoning of like Really, what do we want a national association to look like? Is is the current system working for anybody, really? And how can we make it better for ourselves and for next generations? So yeah, we can't unstart the conversation. And I think what Megan's saying too about people in positions of power having these board positions, yet another reason to support your state. Because while there are people in academia holding positions at the state level. There are also people working clinically full-time holding state positions. There are student representatives at the state level. There, you know, there is a much more diverse makeup of the executive boards of the states. And so that's, I feel like that is where the voice of the clinician is being heard the best. So yet another reason right there to yep. to think about finding out what's going on in your state in in your state and you know hopefully we'll be able to highlight that um i had another thought but it yeah i mean i just it exited. i think we need a system where the state associations are you know because there are a more diverse set of voices as far as practice settings in those state associations they need to be fully supported by the National Association and not be kind of facing some of the barriers that practicing clinicians face when they try to get involved with ASHA. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it. we've heard that on our social media. If people want to be involved, then they should volunteer. But it is very difficult to volunteer for ASHA. I think I've mentioned that before. Um, I have tried to volunteer for ASHA, and actually just recently, I. I just got an email after months and months of trying. Um, I did get an email to submit an application to be looked at to volunteer for a SIG. Um, there's like a SIG position coming open. Um, but again, that's not just me volunteering. Like I have to fill out this whole application, send in my resume. Like it's this whole rigmarole. And then I don't know if I. I don't know if there's an election or if someone's chosen. I stopped reading because now that I'm part of this movement, I probably shouldn't be volunteering for ASHA and then sitting on this podcast yelling about ASHA. So I did decide I, I had to make that hard call. Well, and that's the other thing too is like there's there's we hear that approach a lot of like we just need more practicing clinicians to volunteer. And I'm like, when you have a systemic issue in the organization that's not taking practicing clinicians seriously, it doesn't matter how many volunteers there are. Yeah, and I mean, when you start to think about it too, then then I have to wonder, like, I am a practicing clinician, but I also have a place in academia with a PhD. So, you know, even if I got chosen to run for that position or picked for that position, I'm... I'm right, I'm right there almost contributing to the problem that already exists 
where someone who is fully practicing should be getting a volunteer position like that for that SIG. So I don't know. It just felt a little gross to me. I just, I, I couldn't, it wasn't sitting well. Like if I were to get picked for this, am I contributing to the problem and am I making it better? Also this, the last three weeks have really, um, taken over our lives. (laughs) And so then I was like, do I really have time to like fit in something else? Like this probably needs to be my priority. So, but yeah, it's hard to volunteer for ASHA. You can't just like call someone up and say, Hey guys, I want to volunteer. Yeah. There's like a form and then they pick you if they want to, and they tell you what to do. That is my understanding. (laughs) Big daddy Asha tells you what to do. Surprise. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, it's difficult to be chosen where as at the state level they're just gonna take you you know these states are would love to have more volunteers i know at least in pennsylvania um i that's probably the case so montana we do not have a president for next year so if anyone would like to volunteer that seat is open get on it get on it we need a president in montana we'll fully support you we will we'll be your campaign manager (laughs) we'll put you on a story on instagram um yeah so that's the that's i guess that's where we're at right now yep and we're gonna shut down this coffee shop yeah this coffee shop closes in two minutes we've got about a 17 minute podcast i mean you listened if you listened last week it was an hour and a half so it all evens out right It, it all evens out um, but we wanted to be consistent. We want to be putting out a podcast every week to, you know, touch base. Um, but we didn't exactly have something prepared for today, but we still felt like it was important to to hold up our end of the bargain and do what we said we were going to do. All right. So that, do you want to wrap us up? Oh, I think that's it. I think okay. I tried to wrap us up. And oh, and I got just lost in my own thoughts. And then and I just we got on a tangent. <laughs> then I just kept talking like I always do. Um, so I guess I'm just gonna say thanks for fixing it. Thanks everybody. Bye. Bye.